Welcome to the Doob Room, a podcast about Doob Patrol, previously on DC Universe, now on HBO Max. I'm doomed. I'm Alex. I'm also doomed. I'm Justin. Hey, I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about the first episode of season one of Doom Patrol, titled Pilot. Uh, Yeah, finally, we're coming to this late. Uh, For those of you who don't know us, we do a regular weekly podcast called Comic Book Club every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. online. People have been asking us and asking us to do a Doom Patrol podcast. Certainly, we've talked about the show a lot, but we haven't done a formal one. So we decided to go all the way back, jump into it. With the first episode now to set some Makes sense. Ex- now you did say it's a formal <laughs> yeah. formal podcast, so we are of course in full tuxedos and we'll be speaking <laughs> um, speaking very formally about this. Only mm-hmm. iambic pentameter is what I'm going to aim for. Pretty Justin. Oh yeah. boy, hold <laughs> thy for trousers <laughs> for thine moment. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what I'm about. I, I did want to mention though that we've all had different amounts of Doom Patrol that we've watched. Uh, for my own part, I've watched. Two and a half seasons. I don't know why I stopped through season three. I just kind of got busy with stuff. Um, But I really enjoy the show. I'm excited to go back and revisit it from the beginning. Pete, you've watched just the first two seasons. I've seen the first two seasons. I was a huge fan, and I was pushing for us for a long time to do this podcast. So I'm very excited to be here doing this. Well, why don't you be excited when it turns out we hate it? (laughs) It's crazy that you haven't finished the, got into the third season if you're such a fan. Yeah. yeah, sounds I like ca- you're a fair weather fan, Pete. Oh, go fuck yourself! You know, uh, a lot of things have happened in the world, and name sometimes one, you name one thing that's happened. <laughs> <in the world. laughs> Justin, before we get into the episode proper, though, Justin, you haven't watched any of it at this point, other than the Zero. first episode, right? I, as a true fan, have been saving myself for this podcast, <laughs> and have come. I'm coming in cold. I'm going to be saying we, theories that are already proven wrong, we, but that's what it's all about. We should say, though, that we're, you know, huge comic book nerds and are very familiar with the comic book. So it's not like we're walking in with no kind of. I'm a little bit more of a comic book jock, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm a fan of Doom, the video game. So is this (laughs) when do we get into this sort of dungeon exploring? I'm a big fan of Doom, the movie. So I'm wondering when Dwayne the Rock Johnson will show up. Good, good, good. I'm a big. I come at this for a Paul Patrol. I'm just into oh, patrols. Wow. So like, I'm patrols? Can't wait. Yeah. yeah, I'm into all patrols. Highway Patrol, Paw Patrol. <laughs> well, so I, I want to get to you first, Justin, about this because you are coming into this fresh. As we mentioned, I've really enjoyed the show. Pete's really enjoyed the show. But despite reading the comic books, really liking several runs of the comic books, this is your first experience with the show, and, and I'm guessing. You didn't watch the Titans episode where some of these characters first showed up either, right? I did not. That is all, as a true fan, that's also something I'm saving. <laughs> it's okay. You can skip it. It's fine. They're entirely, for anybody who is wondering or happens to be coming to do Patrol Totally Clean, there was an episode of Titans where uh, I believe it was Brendan Fraser and Matt Bomer's voice and April Bulby played Elastigirl, but otherwise everybody was different. Like, it was a totally different thing. It's completely unconnected. It's a different continuity they've set up. Um, And I think the better for it. But what was your take on this episode? How does it strike you as a Doom Patrol fan first? Uh, I mean, it's the tone. There aren't a lot of shows that can, superhero shows that capture this tone of like, now it's dark and these characters 
are fuck ups. They are they continue. They start there and they continue on in that way. So I do think that the fact that they are sort of committing to it and committing to the the comedy of it is really refreshing in a world where most of our superhero television shows are pretty sanitized. Uh, I I have a question. Um, you know, what's funny is because this sh- you know show when it, when it first came out, I watched it and then kind of walked away from it and come back to it. The intro and kind of uh, what Justin is saying reminds me a little bit of American Gods. You know, where mm. it kind of starts off with this kind of eerie, creepy. You know, and then we you're talking of, about the actual opening title sequence now, right? Exactly. Yes, yeah. but also the kind of feel of the show. Uh, because, uh, uh, you know, we also did American Gods podcast. It kind of reminds me a little bit of that, uh, which two very creative shows, very impressive, uh, completely different. But it, it kind of rewatching it now, it kind of gave me that feel a little bit. And it sort of strikes me just another observation. Like it is more, it's like a rated R uh, superhero show. So it's very much in the Dota Deadpool vein. And watching this, I was struck by, I'm so surprised given how big Deadpool is, why there aren't more uh, superhero TV shows that are sort of trying to capture that, ride that lightning uh, into TV. Yeah, I think it's because it's a difficult tone to hit, right? Like, to get, like you're saying, that comedy and drama in equal measures isn't easy. Um, I'm blanking on the name. I'll look it up in a second. But the guy whose show runs it is from Supernatural, which is a show that often oh, hits wow. that tone yeah. correctly. Um, so I think that's probably why they recruited for him for this for the in the first place, though this is definitely a big step up there. Um, and I do think, I will mention, as much as I really enjoy this pilot, this is a very piloty pilot. Like, I like all the oh, individual... Oh, how dare you? I'm sorry for calling the pilot of the show a very piloty pilot. Uh, yes. And it features, it features a pilot, which there is also go. crazy. Oh, my God. So I think that maybe that's wow. why the name makes sense, a lot of sense. What this does but really if, well is it sets up all the individual characters here. Not all of the characters are going to meet on the show, mind you, but all of the individual characters through the lens of Cliff Steele, who is the new person embracing this world. He's also the most down-to-earth, despite just being a brain in a robot body. So it creates a really nice in there, I think, into what's happening. But like... Alan Tiddick's character, Mr. Nobody, says at the end of the episode, he was like, yeah, you're getting this pretty typical superhero origin story they're setting up. That's not what we're going to do here. This is going to be a different show. So to me, and I was even, I remember struck by this in the first episode where I felt like, wow, this is relatively for Doom Patrol, pretty straightforward in terms of what it's doing, but those swerves are coming. And that's the promise of the first episode. Yeah, I also think that it's hard for you to say, like, this is a piloty pilot because they have, like, a pretty a, a, a big chunk of time allotted to a farting donkey. So it's hard to be like, yeah, this is a piloty pilot. I think that – oh, go ahead. I was going to – when you get on an airplane and yep. you see a pilot that's got, like, a, like a classic-looking guy with a strong jaw – uh, just like hey, a little bit of gray. Are you like oof, piloty pilot? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Real quick, not to take a step back. I just wanted to research this uh, to, to make sure my facts are correct. Probably part of the reason, Pete, that this reminded you of the opening title sequence of American Gods is it's the same company that made it. It's a company called Elastic, 
and they've done the opening titles for a lot of different shows, including uh, they did Hunters, they did Ratchet, they did Watchmen, they did Game of Thrones, um, Captain Marvel title only. Uh, they did Westworld as well. So lots and lots of stuff there. Wow. Uh, let me just say real quick on that. I think we're I'm ready as a as a viewer to move past close ups on objects featured in the television show I'm about mm-hmm. to watch as the title sequence. Yeah, Shouts for elastic for establishing fired. a style. Yes, my Shouts this is, fired. <laughs> this is from three years ago at this yeah, point. Yeah, man, so come can, on. That was it was I'm all just the saying, rage. It was very it was all the rage. Then. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Great. I well, look forward to some <laughs> overhead drone shots at some point then, hopefully as well. Well, okay. let's talk about, about the, the DC flip. You know what I mean? Because we talk a lot about the Marvel <laughs> flip, but it's oh important. You know, that I'm glad that we get this DC flip in the beginning. It I was unexpected. It a DC flip. What are you it talking about? It was very about? exciting. I thought it was cool. For, for those listening, um, what Pete's nonsensically ranting about is at the beginning of Marvel uh, movies, there used to be or sort TV of a comic. Shows. A comic book flipping motion that sort of introduced was the Marvel logo. They yep. sensibly changed it to movie characters, which is incensed Pete. Yep. And um, that's what he's saying is the DC flip. I do think the DC character opening, when they cut to the wide and it's like 500 superheroes, I'm like, what, are you going to get to all those? <laughs> <laughs> Someday, you you're, you're focusing a lot on Jokers right now, uh, DC montage. <laughs> so let's get into some of these other characters, all right? Without spending too much time on the opening credits, I do want to jump in and talk about the episode. <laughs> I still got Probably. 20 more minutes to go on this. <laughs> oh, I got no 20 days. Yeah. A, a loose 20 is what you're going to do on this. Yep. Let's talk about set. each of the individual characters. And I guess, though he's not necessarily the main character of this episode, he is the narrator and he is the place that we start off. A hilarious uh, narrator. Really walking that tone of sarcastic, but giving us information. I'm really impressed uh, by this. It's... And this is, again, remembering back to my impressions from a couple of years ago when I first saw this, but I was struck by this again. It's really Alan Tiddick as Mr. Nobody that makes the episode for me because he's set up at the beginning going and visiting his little lines about, uh, I went to visit a Nazi, sorry, cobbler. Very funny. And then all the little uh, notes he makes throughout, like, they're very very blunt in terms of the comedy, but... I remember getting screeners of this that I was going to review and getting the line where it was critics. What do they know? They're going to hate this show. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah he's probably right on a broad <laughs> spectrum. Yeah. Though. yeah. I mean, he genre. starts off with a uh, great more uh, superheroes, just what the world needs. Like just mm-hmm. awesome. Right. Like making fun of itself, making fun of the genre. I, I think this is a big swing and impressive start to a, to a show. But I think the rest of the episode, and again, I'll get back to the point of, I think this is leading up to that, but the rest of the episode doesn't quite match up to that narration yet. It's sort of, Mm. uh, his character is a couple of steps ahead of everybody else in terms of the tone. And that's uh, coming into this cold. Like, I don't mind that. I actually, Mm -hmm. like you're saying, it really sets the tone. And the tone being like completely unsentimental, like this isn't any time. There's so many characters in different eras. I feel like so many other superhero uh, shows or any kind of prestige show would romance all of these different eras or the way these characters are coming into the present day and the sadness of that. Instead, it's just unabashed, unabashedly being like, look, look at all these bad things happening to these people. That's why they're where they are. 
Yeah. Let's move on then and talk about Brendan Fraser as Cliff Steele, because he is very much the heart of the episode. Again, Justin, I'll go to you first. Uh, what was your take on him? I know you're a big uh, fan of uh, Motorhead. George of the Jungle. George okay. of the Jungle. Yep. I think that's where we were all going. But Dazzled. Um, well, uh, I've always like uh, liked Brendan Fraser just because I think he's a, a good performer. And my, I went to a small uh, liberal arts college uh, in Syracuse. upstate New York. Nope, uh, Hamilton College. I'm from Syracuse. I, I was a theater major, and my theater professor. There were two there at the school. Um, had was Brendan been, Fraser? No, nope, what? Nope. Oh, okay. He he That's was wild. Brendan. He was was Brendan Fraser's um, acting teacher, oh. and so I was always like Brendan Fraser. Got it. Uh, sort of to uh, sort of continue acting um, as hard as Brendan Fraser does, and um, so I really like. I've always liked him, and or just followed him, and he he's great here. He and obviously, I think we're going to mostly just hear his voice going forward and not see but his face very much. It's nice to see him in a, this different kind of role. You know, him playing a little darkier, a little bit more douchey kind of character is an uh, interesting choice, and I feel like. Uh, to kind of get this washed, you don't think uh, Brendan Fraser? So it was. I thought it was a really cool choice for the show to make. Are you talking uh, I, about his his face or his butt? Just from an acting point of view, uh, was his that body a lot of, of the, work? I was talking about his body of work. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, his body, his butt body. Justin, when you uh, were doing your acting classes, was that something that came through from the teacher? Yeah, it was yeah, mostly I'm a, butt work. I'm a, I'm only an ass actor. Ah, that makes sense. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, obviously. Yeah, but you'll see, you can see my work in a lot of ass rolls, the asses. Yeah. But, I, but. I think this isn't a spoiler, so I'll mention it just because you touched on it just before, Justin. But again, my impression when I had first watched this was, oh, yeah, uh, particularly with Matt Bomer and Brendan Fraser, two very busy, very in-demand actors. They're doing this stuff so you can get a buddy double. They can come in, do their voice work a couple of days, and that's it. Um, but actually, no. Uh, I've been very surprised to find that over the course of several seasons, they keep coming back over and over again, and they're very involved in the show. And it isn't just their voices, but you actually get to see them in different ways several times. So um, That's awesome. W- which I think is great. Like, it shows their devotion to the material in a very clear way. And uh, like you said, Brendan Fraser, he's definitely getting uh, a renaissance now where people are like, no, we love him. What are you talking about? Yeah. He's great. Um, and I think Doom Patrol is a really big part of that, honestly. Uh, yeah, and, and, also- and from the the character of, of Cliff Steele, um, does feel like it's it's super sad seeing him like sort of overcome um, the, the robot body and then be instantly faced with the fact that his daughter died, the the thing that was helping him go forward, and then later the revelation that that she didn't um, well, was what it was a, quite a ride for just one of our all, main characters. Also, like the whole setup of like. He died in this car racing crash. You know what I mean? But then it's revealed, no, he, you know, decapitated his wife in a horrible car crash later on. It just makes it so much worse. I mean, they really do. Yeah, different, completely different car crash. Yeah, they really do, like, play with your emotions in this episode in a lot of different ways. And, uh yeah, it's just it can you I would think maybe frustrating, but because of how well done it's it is, the reveals, the twists and turns, it's also setting up something that, you know, don't trust the narrator, don't trust who you're getting the information from, like we're gonna kind of find things out through trial and error, which isn't a very interesting thing to kind of set up for a pilot. 
Now, Pete, you're the resident um, uh, motorhead, axle grinder, sort of a manic mechanic uh, on the podcast. Um, How would you feel about all these cars? Yeah. And the robot robot body is sort of a car in a way. Yeah. I mean – you got to admit his outfit is pretty badass. I mean, the the leather jacket with the motorhead T-shirt. And then also when they go out and he does the hello world uh, sweatshirt. Great. I mean, fun stuff. Uh, yeah. The, the old cars that they used to race in, it was great to kind of see that it was, uh, you know, I, I don't know a lot about under the hood, but I do love uh, cars and especially older ones. So yeah, this is a kind of a, a fun uh, throwback for sure. Get would, under the hood. Would you drive a car that was dressed like Cliff Steele, Pete? Or oh, hang yeah, out with one, I guess? Yeah, Good question. yeah, no question. You know, it's, it's funny. I'm trying to get under the hood, but uh, it's not as easy as you think. You just open it. You're talking about you, there's a, usually a little lever. No, in, no, by the there's drivers. like a there's a garage down my street, and it says "Help Wanted." And I walked in, and I was like, "Listen, I don't know anything about cars, but I would love to learn." And they were like, "Get out of here!" And I was like, "Ah, oh, it was worth that, a try." Did you take uh, off your motorcycle helmet, shake all, down your hair, and oh, you turned out to be a yeah. beautiful lady? And they were like, "Whoa, this beautiful lady knows about cars." Yeah, you need to pull a full Billy Joel Uptown Girl situation <laughs> if you want to work at a garage. Okay, all right, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> so, Brendan Fraser. Is Cliff Steele great since we mentioned them already? Why don't we jump over to Matt Bomer as Larry Trainer, aka Negative Man? This is another the I pilot. Think, the pilot, yes. This is another <laughs> great, <laughs> very heartfelt storyline with a lot of really good twists here. Um, because similar, like you're talking about, Pete, setting up as an unreliable narrator, we find out about Larry's story. We find out that he's this all-American pilot, but ultimately uh, there's a lot more going on there, specifically the fact that he is forced to be secretly gay because of the time period, um, is in love with his, I don't know if it's assistant or partner or whatever. Engineer. Engineer, sure, or something like that. Uh, And that all gets wrecked by the fact that he gets invaded by this negative spirit uh, and then horribly burned. It's Um, It's a tough start, too, because you find out, like, here's two pieces of shit. Uh, dudes who are like having a family and then immediately cheating on their family with somebody else, you know. That was your impression. Well, I mean, you <laughs> know, the, pi- the pilot, it, it, you know, he's for the time period as to hide who he is, and there's a whole thing, but, but it's, still, uh, it's still, it's uh, <laughs> still, it's still pretty period. rough on his family, though, you know. Yeah, d- during the time period, it was okay for engineers to be gay, but not pilots. Yeah, that's it's right. true. It's, it's a true. funny little thing that they had back then. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't have that specific issue with what's happening, but I do think to start with these main characters so far and have it be tragedy visited upon tragedy, like you get the bad thing that happens to them and then an emotional tragedy on top of it, I think is not a lot of shows do that. It was really exciting and uh, refreshing to be like, oh, God, it's so much worse. And then after that, they try to use their powers and are also bad at it. Yeah, <laughs> really bad. Yeah. Well, that brings us nicely to Rita Farr, played by April Bulby, who is, as I mentioned, I think the one holdover from the Titans episode, which she was so good in there and is also so good here. I think she is she is perfect as Rita Farr. And it's a very different take than in the comics, where she's basically a stretchy Mr. Fantastic type, except uh, here she's a horrible blob person. Um, mm. But again, it gets to that thing you're talking about, Justin, where you think they have tragic backstories and then the backstories are even more tragic than you might expect. Yeah. And I the they're also odd, like their origins. They're sort of like 
uh, sort of weird takes on your classic superhero origin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like uh, Larry, like is sort of a Hal Jordan type who just mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. is goes bad. And with uh, with Rita, the fact that she just falls in the water and then a little thing swims in whoa, her mouth. Whoa. Well, now let's ta- let's <laughs> back up. Like, Rita has some real issues with her image and is very much into her image. And then somebody who you know uh, happens to not have an arm like really bothered her, and that kind of like kind of freaked her out a little bit, which was very interesting character reveal because of what's about to happen. The irony. And, you know, you know this uh, as an actor, Justin, if you're on a movie set, you've got to check water for glowing green spirits before you jump in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yes, and it was I just an want accident. to clarify because we already talked about this. Justin is an ass actor. So. An ass yeah. actor. So right, just remember right. that. So I send my ass instant to check the water before I get into it. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want any weird green things swimming into my butt. <laughs> <laughs> it's my instrument. It's my instrument, after all. Yeah. It plays beautifully. Like Yo-Yo Ma's cello. Oh, my, my God. Mass. Wow. Must be finely I... tuned. Oh, my God. You are right, though, Pete. There is a lot more going on there with Rita. I do feel like we get a little less on her, and she is played more broadly for comedy, particularly... The scene is great, but her talking to that waitress later on in the diner, mm-hmm. um, and there's some line there where she says, "Tell me more, tell me more," and she says, yeah. "Oh, about my father," and she says, she goes, "No, no, yeah, I yeah. want to hear about <laughs> yeah. me." Was yeah. just such a fun actor kind of thing, and. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where there's all these little really powerful small moments. And even like after she kind of like is rolling down the street as this uh, blob and her face is just kind of like hanging over the side. And she's like, I want to go home. Like just such a yeah. amazing little moment. Uh, yeah, the, sh- the show also, is very shout creative. out on that moment and also not to get back to the opening credits. I forget who does the music for the show. I'll, I'll try to look it up in a second. But uh, just really good, very poignant music as well. Like there's some really good, beautiful musical stings throughout that. I agree. I will say it struck me as, and this may be a just time, like much like the opening credits, the time this first came out, but very Stranger Things uh, mm-hmm. music influence to me, um, especially in the back half of the episode when they are um, in the town having their uh, their sort of battle, I guess, um, <laughs> their escape after they uh, everything falls apart. Uh, Felt very much that way. It looks like it's uh, Clint Mansell and Kevin Kiner, and I'm forgetting what he's done initially, but Clint Mansell has definitely done a lot of stuff with, like, I think Darren Aronofsky and other people like that, so Mm. it certainly makes sense. Uh, Um, What's interesting is we're getting, you know, like... We spend a lot of time on these three main characters, but there's also like all these other characters that we kind of get as well. It's interesting that you have like a James Bond uh, actor caliber, like this dude has been in a ton of stuff. He's barely kind of he's he's touched upon a little bit. We know they call him the chief. He's kind of got like a Magneto and a wheelchair thing going on. Um, and Professor X in a wheelchair, but go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I <laughs> slipped there. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, they are Magneto with indis- his legs broken type thing. <laughs> <line. laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that and just getting back to the discussion we were having earlier about how they get their powers because a lot of people compare this, and I think rightly so, to an early 
X-Men, it's arguable whether Doom Patrol actually influenced and caused the creation of the X-Men or not, because a lot of that stuff was happening simultaneously. Same thing with, like, Challengers of the Unknown. Did they cause the Fantastic Four from Marvel? Maybe, maybe not, uh, but they're certainly yeah. very similar. But I do think here there's a real uh, push to not just make it an X-Men clone, but make it something else, and like you're saying, riffing on other heroes, other weird origins, other things like that. You mentioned Fantastic Four, and this sort of has sort of the uh, perverted version of their origins here in a bit, yeah, like, like really, uh, real really pervy, really like, perverted. Huh? Real messed and up. No, the, uh, well, just sexy, like... Sexy, sexy, but messed up. <laughs> what? Yes, that's what I'm talking there about. There wasn't any pervy... I don't mean perverted in that way. I mean, just like it's yeah. the the original sort of like Fantastic Four origin, but changed, made a little bit, a little twisted, you could say. Okay, oh, thank yeah. you. Like in a sexual way. Oh, yeah, that's God. what I mean. When okay. I say twist, I mean sex. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Let's well, twist again? Are you crazy? Oh, my Let's God. Let's sex again. Stop. Uh, <laughs> crazy Jane we should talk about because she is the other part of the force. How dare you, Jane, please. Jane. Come on. Sure. Uh, they call her Crazy Jane. Now, this is... There's two little weird things for me in the episode, and one of them is how Crazy Jane shows up. And mind you, this is a minor, um, never mentioned quibbles piece. Stop, stop, stop Don't stop, call her Crazy stop, Jane, all right? She has, a, you know, a disorder where she has multiple sure. people regular living inside Jane. of her. I'll call her I mean? regular human Jane for Thank now you. on the podcast. Uh, regular human Jane shows up, and Cliff, who has been there for decades at this point, mm-hmm. doesn't know her. Even though they establish in the opening sheet, oh, she comes in and out all the time. She comes and goes as she pleases. So she right. was gone for a decade. What's the big deal? How old are these people? That is a question mark because they're old. Yeah. It seems they are now in present day and they've been around since the 40s, 60s, mm-hmm. 80s. They're the best, they're the greatest hits of the 40s, 60s, 80s, and today yeah. is what I would say. And that's another major influence on this show is all oldie stations. Yes. All I, the soft and, rock and not to quibble about this or stay on this too much, but I understand the idea of, okay, Cliff Steele, is in a robot body, so that's fine. I understand how he could live for pretty much forever. When yeah. we're talking about Rita Farr, she has this blob bobbity, so she could be 90 years old and live for a long time. Larry mm-hmm. Trainer clearly maintained by the negative spirit. I don't know what's going on with Niles Calder necessarily. Uh, lots of stuff potentially I guess you could get into there with crazy science or whatever but for regular human Jane it's not abundantly clear how she's been around for decades but also how Cliff has avoided seeing or her or the, the fact that maybe one of the personalities is the aging one you know what I mean like only mm-hmm. one of them mm-hmm. ages so when she transfers you don't know but I think that as far as Cliff like you know he they kept turning him on and off so like maybe mm-hmm. he was off in the basement and she came uh, she came to visit it's and was just, just upstairs it's, honestly it's a weird line of dialogue is all it that they could have gotten really around with like you. he never left his room for decades so this is the first time he's finding out about it but instead it's clear that they're hanging out with him they're like oh you just You've been out. You've been out every time she's popped up, so don't worry yeah. about it. So it's strange, but it's not a big deal. Uh, that said, what did you think about Diane Guerrero as regular human Jane? Pete, you seem to be a big fan since you're going to bat for her already. Yeah, I think first off, you know, as an actor, uh, you know, I'm not saying at me as an actor. but You like, as an actor. No, no, I'm just saying. Well, like, what body part <laughs> do you act with, Pete? I've been always been wondering. Your hand? Someone who has to play different you're an versions. You're actor, right? 
school of acting is what I came from. No, you but actually, actually do. You actually are a big eyebrow guy. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a huge part of my uh, lifestyle. Anyways, I think that <laughs> it's one of those things where it's a real challenge to have to play somebody like that who has and, and really change your voice all the time. So I uh, was really impressed uh, with this and also like – it, it made some interesting choices where it's like, you know, if somebody changes who they are all the time, the fact that like she was just kind of like, nope, it's so and so. And like, uh, I thought it was a, a cool way to kind of let us know without it's it seems like a, a problem that would come up for this character. So I felt like they handled it really well. Now, not to harp on this too much, but what is it like for people like you in the lifestyle, as you call it? <clears throat> The eyebrow lifestyle. The eyebrow lifestyle. <laughs> Are you well, always I, surprised? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard, you know, because a or lot a of little, people... Are you feeling a little furrowed today? <laughs> <laughs> the thick, mustachioed eyebrow wasn't always in, you know what I mean? So, you know, it was some tough times, you know. Yeah. But you, I, I will say, just to get back to it, it took me a little while to come around to Jane as a character of all of them. Um, I feel like you. because she is playing so many different things, it's hard to get a little a bead on her or who she yeah. is at any point. Um, I don't. I think she she's good, and I do eventually like every member of the cast. Uh, but she's one that I didn't hook into immediately in the first episode. How do you well, feel I think, about it, Justin? I think she's just based on viewing this. I think she's meant to be a little mysterious because Cliff has an interest in her right away. So there's a little bit of that. And so uh, I just feel like as a viewer, the show wants us to get to know her as Cliff does. Um, And so that's where we are. And she seems like she's got some Legion-esque powers here. So we'll see how that Also, this kind of dynamic of like Cliff wanting, uh, you know, a daughter relationship and then having this person show up and kind of like need some guidance and help and like maybe he could help her, I think was a, a very cool, interesting in that they kind of put out there. I think, Justin, you're reminding me of what took me a while to hook into her as well, is it came right on the heels of Legion, and there was one other character, at least, that I'm forgetting, on a show who had multiple personalities, where it felt like it was this weird mini-trend. Um, mm. But yeah, ultimately, not again, not to spoil it, but I really do feel like Diane Guerrero makes the character her own and really gets into it over time, um, and it's really... Ultimately, yes, very impressive and important to the show. Now, is it a recurring thing that – so we we talked briefly about Calder, uh, Timothy Dalton, that he gets so pissed that he sees a donkey? Every episode. Like, is that how it works? Every That's episode. his power? The, the donkey's real, bro. Like, this, he's not – nobody's we'll seen see. that. Yeah, the donkey's real. Yeah. And I, if you think that's weird, just buckle up, bro, because it's, it's going to get weirder. Well, I, it's funny you mention that, Pete, because I do think even in the midst of all these things that ostensibly should be weird but don't necessarily feel weird to regular comic book readers, the donkey is the thing that lets you know, no, this is not actually going to be like other superhero shows. Yeah. Because having a donkey, what is it? It farts the thing it that farts. he says the the mind is no limit. Is that yeah. the phrase? Yeah. yeah. That's so a mind big is fart. The limit. That's a really rips fart. one. 
Yeah, yeah, he really was. And let but me say, I, as as so an actor, you've seen uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of donkey farts in your day because you're an ass actor. Exactly. Well, that's the whole other side of the business is the ass. The donkeys are also known as asses. The ass right. actors on that side of it. You get to know them. You know, you sometimes get mixed up uh, when it comes to your bookings. Like, oh, oh I need to go. That's very fun. Do you <laughs> yeah. ever uh, do a thing where you ask them which borough it's supposed to be in? Oh, and they yeah. You see, it's way. a whole. Like, I've been called in to play Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh so many times. And I, I'm, I'm not that ass. I'm not, mm-hmm. the, I'm not that ass. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's go through and talk about any other moments in the episode that we thought disagree. were particularly interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the other thing that I will call out, the other moment that just bothers me a little bit is the moment. Come on. I'm sorry that things bother me sometimes, Pete. You yeah. are the soul of happiness all the time. I know that. Yeah, so. that's right. about, if we eliminated all the things that bother you, Pete, we wouldn't. What would you even say? I don't know. <laughs> you just waggle your eyebrows. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> when are we going to get a browcast where it's all just all visuals? The the thing where they all get on the bus and they're like, you know what, we should leave town forever. And then one scene later, like, you know what, we should go help Cliff is very weird. And it feels like something was cut out time wise or mm, mm. they felt like they needed some sort of scene to pluck in there. Again, ever, it's fine, but we're not quite there yet. You've never started driving on something and then like just get down the road and realize, man, I've made the wrong choice. Like, I turn out to turn. of the driveway and they're like, whoops. Yeah. 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 It's it just happens you just all very know. quickly, and it feels more to me like, well, we got to wrap up the episode. Versus in later episodes, those swings and swerves seem more part and parcel with how the characters act. But here, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. I'm sorry like that. that in the pilot they had to make some editing choices that maybe uh, didn't well, line up for you. But I would argue, like, I think them leaving makes sense for the yeah. characters here. It's them just coming back together, and later on, as they our friends and get closer. I'm assuming makes sense. They would step up for each other. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll see what happens. Like us, like the three of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Whatever, buddy. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Nasty language over here. What other, I'm sorry. I know you don't like to be called buddy. What other moments of the episode do you want to call out? If any, anything that jumped out to you? (laughs) Hmm. Well, I, I, I do want to get into the fact that like, Mr. Nobody has such a huge role in this, even though we don't really get his kind of like origin a little bit. We do, but like I thought Do- it was Dr. Manhattan, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's I was kind ha- of Dr. Manhattan. Was Mr. Nobody? I don't think Mr. Nobody was supposed to be a Dr. Manhattan riff, right? Uh, I don't know. Um, probably not. Yeah, I mean, definitely not. Dr. Manhattan wasn't it was, there. I don't know if he started there, but he was definitely pretty big in Grant Morrison's run, which is what a lot of the show pulls pulls on. And yeah. I think he was usually just playing with um, ideas of like Dadaism and absurdism and things like that. So I think that's that's more what I think is in line with than Doctor Manhattan. But I understand what you're like saying. a fun Doctor Manhattan, like yeah, a doctor, doctor like a Doctor Brooklyn, like a Doctor Brooklyn. Oh, a different borough. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I just thought that like the use of him uh, was such a kind of like a uh, well thought out thing for this first episode, because like uh, moving forward, you know, uh, he is uh, the big kind of bad. And so I really liked how we even got a little bit of his story in there. And I thought just like the use of him was just really spot on. Like there were so many great voiceover moments. 
Um, I yeah, I was impressed with the humor overall, especially even uh, you know Frazier got a bunch of you know uh, Mister Steele there got a, a good like when he's sitting there and he kind of uh, makes fun of uh, Trainer. You know, he's like, what was it like being uh, buried with your cat in that pyramid? I mean, that was, that's a fun bit. That's a fun, that's that's some great stuff. A yeah. couple of shots that I wanted to mention that I liked. The shot towards the beginning when Cliff Steele is being built by Niles Calder and they just have that almost viewfinder thing going yeah. on. Yeah. It's very cool. It's a great visual way of doing it. And then another one when Hangman's daughter is painting in the rain and they cut to the painting just sort of dripping down there in the rain. I thought that was a little, a beautiful image as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it was cool. She was Justin, like, my painting's ruined. And I was like, actually, it's, it's kind yeah, of cool like good. that. And you're an yeah. art critic, right, Pete? That's right. 100%. Yeah. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Before we wrap up here... Why don't we kick off with who we think was most doomed this Ooh, episode? Yes. Which character was most doomed in this episode, Pete? I'm going to go with Rita. I feel like um, uh, Rita just, uh, you know, can't really go five feet outside of the mansion uh, without falling apart. So it was kind of sad. I mean, she seemed like she was doing great inside but, uh, you know, as soon as she gets outside, um, it was kind of uh, even when they were kind of walking down the street together, like even her leg was coming undone there. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm a little worried about how doomed she is. Mm. Justin, what about you? Got to go with Cliff Steele. I mean, we spend the most time with him from me uh, on his story from a sort of character perspective. And he took me on the ride. The, there's a just a general melancholy uh, with the character, and then all of the ups and downs he went through in the episode, I thought, uh, truly doomed him. Just to pick somebody else, I'll throw out regular human Jane, just because we don't know a lot about her actually at this point. And as Cliff points out in their conversation on the car, park bench, it seems like there's a lot more going on with her under the surface than she's letting on. She seems to be the cool dude who has it all together at this point, but... Just based on her powers, she definitely doesn't. So be she didn't play folk. cool around the cops, that's for sure. She sure yeah. did not. And folks, that is it for the first episode of The Doom Room. If you, Doom Room! Doom Room. If you are listening to this, we will have the feeds and thank everything you. up shortly. Yes, thank first you. Of all, thank you. <laughs> if you would like to chat about Doom Patrol, as mentioned, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., Crowdcast and YouTube on the Comic Book Club channel. Also, you can check us out Twitter at Comic Book Live, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, doom you later. Wow. <laughs> boom, boom. See you next time in the Doom Room. <laughs> uh, stay away from donkeys that are slowly walking towards you. <laughs>